This is KGPC 96.9 here in Oakland and streaming 24 hours a day at kgpc969.org. are listening to Here is Where We Meet, a sonic celebration of Lake Merritt. Each episode weaves together field recordings and interviews conducted around the lake. Here is Where We Meet explores the unique diversity and biodiversity found at Lake Merritt, the myriad ways that everyday Oaklanders engage with it and with each other, and ultimately affirms that in this time of rapid gentrification and change, Lake Merritt and, in turn, Oakland is a place for everyone. In this episode, we'll hear from two Oaklanders currently living homeless in and around the lake, Casey Cummings and Maurice Boyce. We'll hear from a variety of frogs and ducks active around the Lake Merritt Gardens area. And we'll hear lots of rain since that's been a dominant feature in the past couple of months here in Oakland.
My name is Casey Cummings. I've been homeless for a year and a half. I've been here for about six months. And where here is, is um, under Lake Merritt Boulevard, myself and my partner, Paul, we were living in Berkeley and we were in a very, very Tony area. We were at Claremont and Alcatraz and it was very, he works for Dark Carnival and we're all working homeless, all of us. So, um, but anyway, Paul um, and I uh, were staying with a sci-fi author right there, like in a beautiful home. And we were there for like four or five years, I think. Um, and uh, they were just getting too old. And uh, his wife had Alzheimer's. She was the first uh, female recipient of the um, Hugo Award, which is a big deal in sci-fi world. Um, and uh, they, they needed to sell the house and move to assisted living. And uh, so they did. And we found ourselves in a place where we could not afford rent anywhere else. We could not move anywhere else. We couldn't, there was no way. This is like, two years ago, almost two years ago. And uh, so we were walking around and our dog, who, Stella, was so stressed out, she, uh, she pulled out one of her toenails. And uh, so, yeah, pushing around a cart with a dog that is lame, yeah, basically, was not fun. So I said, let's, let's go to Mosswood and just rest for a while and then we'll find a place. And um, got to talking to Ron, her ex-partner, and, um, and then and she and they let us stay there and that was really that was they saved our lives really all of our lives so um, so since then I will not leave her side so yep anything she needs anything Lulu needs Lulu gets I will get her for get it for her um, so yeah um, so then then we got we got evicted from Mosswood and had met Nino and he said there's room here please you know don't feel like you have no options come on down and so we did and they had a place for us and it was wonderful and we've been here since then right now what I'm doing because I know that this is coming I'm lucky enough to have seen the evictions coming because we were evicted from Mosswood because of the uh, Burger Boogaloo show, the big concert that they closed the park down for. And so I knew that that was coming. So I had time before they even put the notice up, I knew. Luckily, I've also got a place I can store my stuff. Um, I can take stuff, it's way up in Richmond, but, um, and I take the BART and then a bus and I push my cart and I load my stuff in and then I come back and for another load and so it's expensive and it's also time consuming but luckily I've had time to do that. What we do in the meantime, what I'm doing in the meantime now, which is really the important part, is I'm educating myself, I'm going to the library, I'm talking to advocates like Nino Parker of the Homeless Green Team and I'm also um, looking up precedents and learning about um, what what is going on in the world about homelessness and what is causing it. And um, that's what I really want to address because it's not your fault or the people that want us gone's fault necessarily that there is no housing. There is no housing available here. It's, uh, it's pricing everybody out and anybody and everybody is one paycheck away from my condition. So even though we're working homeless, it doesn't mean that everybody out here is. But there are, there are needs that the homeless have that are not being met. And there are causes that are causing people to be homeless that are not anybody's fault except for the economy, I think. It's my personal opinion. Um, the government is not. We are one of the cruelest, cruelest nations to the homeless and to the poverty-stricken. We are one of the most inhumane treating 
governments and, and cities that you could possibly imagine as far as homeless goes. So I have no idea what to do now. I'm going to move my stuff into storage, um, hopefully have everything clean, um, and help anybody else who needs help. But I don't know where we're going to go. We have no place to go. What they're planning on doing systematically is clearing all of the camping sites that are around the lake, including Snow Park, um, to fit us all into 20 tough sheds which, with a capacity of 40, which um, are already full, but we're still going to be evicted and there's no place for us to go. They have no place lined up. They've not come to do anything to negotiate any place for us to go. Um, so I really I, I have no idea. So the tough sheds came up and um, they said, okay, we're gonna move everybody into tough sheds. Okay, cool. I, I was on the list. I signed up at the meeting, right? Then they came by here um, a couple, uh, three weeks after that and said, uh, do you want, you know, do you want a space in the tough sheds? I said, yeah, I'm already on the list. He looked at his list. I said, am I on the, he, no, you're not on the list. Okay, I'll put you on the interested list. Okay, cool. So then I had to, a month, a month or three weeks after that, so it's like a month and a half after the initial meeting, I went over to the tough sheds. Oh no, it's full. Hopefully not, maybe some miracle will happen, but we, but we have not yet had the notice of eviction. Um, and one of the things I told the, the uh, Rahim, or I can't remember his name, the guy that's running the tough sheds, um, when he came by here, I said, you know, if you know about when we're going to be evicted and we don't have the notice yet, it's always good to let us know as soon as you know anything, please let us know because the, the time the, the time that it takes to move stuff to storage is very useful, you know? There are many approaches to homelessness and to fixing fixing homelessness. Um, there is throwing money at it, and that's what the government and the state is doing. And they're they're getting plenty of money. Oakland is getting plenty of money. M the money is amazing, considering a lot of the land is donated, a lot of the labor is donated, and some of the tough sheds are donated, right? And we're talking in the millions of dollars, and they're 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 inflating these. Okay, so to run these things, it's going to be seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or whatever, whatever the cost for per year of whatever. And they're they're okay. So tough sheds is one solution. Other cities and other states have other options and other things that they're trying. There's no one model that really works, except housing first. I would like to get this out, housing first, and it's a model. It's a, it's, a, it's a theoretical thing that has crunched the numbers of what it costs to have a homeless person for one year or whatever, and all the costs, the incidental costs that the city covers or the state covers or whatever. Um, housing first has addressed that in saying, well, why can't we just get them the services they need and uh, in one place, in, in one shelter, and then funnel them into housing. We'll find them housing. We will rent or buy places that are for rent or, or for sale 
and give them housing, give the homeless housing. It undoes the problem. There's no more housing problem, right? Well, Salt Lake City is actually a very, very, very good example of making housing first work. Or they, mm, I think they're losing their shelter soon. And that's another, you know, effect of the money. But um, anyway, I moved recently from um, Salt Lake City. Um, uh, for one, I was there for one year. And I was happened to be living with the um, operations manager of one of the largest homeless shelters in America. They have like 900 beds. In the wintertime, they have two shelters, almost 900 beds. And the, but they have all the services, like the veteran services, the childcare, the, uh, like all of the things, counseling, um, caseworkers, everything in one place. And the shelter is designed to, once you go through the program, you get housing and they give you job training and they, uh, bus passes, whatever, whatever you need to not be homeless anymore. And they make it work. Oakland is calling itself a, a housing first city. It is not. Having somebody, having an, um, but one caseworker at the site of, 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 of Tough Sheds um, referring you to all the places, it, we know where to go, okay, we know. But having it all in one place, that's, that's the key. Um, it's really hard to be homeless and to have to ferry everything and, and beg for bus fare, you know, like it's, it's ridiculous. So, and that is an easy enough solution. Um, the attractiveness of the housing, of, of the tough sheds, um, as opposed to um, shelters, which are basically a big room with like a dorm situation. Um, the tough sheds are uh, a longer occupied solution because in the shelter, like in, in Salt Lake City, you had to leave every morning at five and then wait in line to get your bed that the next day. I mean, they had, it has its drawbacks. The, the tough shed thing, you're in there for possibly six months. You got a key, you know, you can lock your stuff up. It's not like you can carry, you can keep a lot of stuff. It doesn't have a lot of room, but that is one of the attractive things is that you don't have to do that whole waiting in line thing, which is another thing about being homeless that makes it a big pain in the ass. So. Um, um, the other, the other, possibly, I mean, good thing is that you only have one roommate, and um, so if you have a partner, and you can have pets in the tough sheds, you cannot in shelters. Um, there's a lot of benefits actually to the tough sheds. Also, I, I heard that they're going to offer people uh, two meals a day, which is great. Um, you couldn't have that in, in Salt Lake City, although the Catholic Church had a a, a, a meal place across the street. But it's also, it was in Salt Lake City, it was where people went to deal and get drugs. Like, and so even if you weren't homeless, if you wanted to get drugs, you go down to the homeless like shelter. And so that, I mean, there were a lot of detractions, like a, a lot of negative things. Here, you can come and go as you please, but you can't really have visitors, I think, I, but I'm not sure. But you have to sign in and out every time you come and go. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of pluses and minuses. I really am not sure about all of them because I, I would love to have been able to tell you more about being on the inside, but now they're full. And today, yesterday was the ninth, and that was, I, I heard that that, no, it's full. No room at the end, and they're, so they're coming for us in two weeks, and we have nowhere to go. They don't want to give any of it up, and there are, there are city-owned things that, the city wants to sell it at the market value, which is, I guess they're right, but we as citizens, we're citizens, I'm a tax-paying citizen. I owned a business for 12 years, right on Telegraph at 43rd, the tattoo shop, that was mine. I owned that, um, and it was called Precision Piercing and Tattoo, and and uh, and 
so I mean, I've always been an employed or, or self-employed uh, Oakland citizen. And, uh, and it just so happens I'm homeless. It's just an incidental thing, but it's not incidental when you're homeless. You know what I mean? So I'm going to move as much stuff as I can get into storage and, um, and definitely be here to witness. Um, the more people that are here, that are anywhere there are evictions happening, the more people that are filming it, the better the police act because the police who are there to enforce that this thing can go through, right? Whatever eviction is happening, the more people that are witnessing that, the better for everybody, period. Um, you'll often f see people violently angry um, because, you know, they're losing possibly everything they own, everything they own, and possibly getting arrested and going to jail for being homeless. So, um, uh, that's going to happen on the 24th here on the east side of the estuary, right underneath the overpass, which is where we're standing right now. Um, my understanding is that the other side of the estuary, the, the west side, is going to be evicted this Friday. So. We're part of, we're part of the community, like it or not, we are part of your and our community um, and we don't really necessarily want to be a big burden but we are in a situation where we are here so uh, yeah I don't I don't know what we're gonna do but um, whatever it is I'm I'm part of this community and and I'm not, I'm not a mess maker I want to help I want to be I want to be uh, an outreach person I want people to be able to come to me ask me questions and hopefully give them answers. So the more people that have answers or anything to offer, I would love to talk to. So the only people who have ever spoken to me have been very sympathetic and very empathetic. There are organizations that are out there and they're boots on the ground and they are, um, they're, they're in the news, they are people that know what's going on and luckily they come by. They, people come by all the time and I've met m some of the most generous and heartfelt amazing people while being homeless um, that I've ever met in my life. Um, but I'm aware of, there, there's something that, when I first moved here, I was like, why are those people filming us? And somebody, a neighbor of mine said, oh, that's poverty porn. There apparently is a thing on the internet where people take video of people that are struggling and they, yeah. So, but, um, but I, I'm aware that there are people, but they, they like to hide behind a paperwork or some official something and you you get the notice and you know but they never confront you one-on-one -on -one. I have not had that happen but I, I I've got in my mind I have a reaction to that and so and that is that we are part of your community and I'm a tax-paying person that is employed in your community and have owned a business in your community and employed people and paid taxes and I've been here for 38 years um, so uh, I, I, I don't think that the, I would approach that if somebody were to confront me. I would approach that as, I don't blame you for my position. And, and I'm not trying to make things worse for you and your kids. Um, but this happens to be very near services I need. And so that's why I'm here. Also, that this was a place where somebody who I trust, who Nino, um, offered a place for me. So, um, but uh, I know that we're going to have to move. I don't know where, but um, but the problem is not going to go away. Once you sweep us away, the pile of stuff is it, there. People are going to come back. 
I mean, I, I may or may not be one of them, but um, I, I, I really don't have any answers. I don't know. And it's, go, it's I'm going to do more research and, and, and continue the fight. So even after being housed, once I get housed again, which I will, um, I will still continue to fight. Sheds, they're going to go back to Mosswood, which was already uh, evicted yeah. last month. Mm -hmm. Right? And then two months later, they'll come again and they'll leave, move again. Until, I guess, until they get a bed somewhere. Anyway, it's. And then what the city, then the city can claim that they've been offering people beds. Well, I think there's a couple of different models. I think that right now, to be honest with you, I was really. I heard so many complaints about the tough sheds that I was against them, but now they're kind of the only, one of the only solutions. So I, I think what I, what I would like to see is kind of a, a spectrum, okay? So it's for people to go into the tough sheds, it's for people to go into like the Holland Hotel, which I've heard about is up, you know, not up and running yet, but in SROs, right, with services there. Um, and then there's some people like vets and other people, they are not going to ever be in, contained in a room. They're just not. 
you know, and there's people with all sorts of different issues. Um, and there was one other model that I thought was really interesting, which was uh, a group of unhoused took over a, a vacant lot, city vacant lot, and they asked the city to provide um, garbage, porta potties, and I don't know about water or not. Um, and it was for people who really wanted their own autonomous and independence. And I felt like that was a really great model. The city refused them anything and evicted them. Hi, I was just calling to find more information out about the homeless encampment uh, removal at Lake Merritt. What a park? Yes. And what was that connection? What office directs the the street cleaning and graffiti teams to? Uh, where where are they getting their their directive or or like? Because they're leaving some, some residents' belongings here while removing others. And I'm curious where those are coming from. Like, how do they know who to, who to remove and who not to? So when you put in a request for homeless encampments within the city mm -hmm. or any location within the city, you'd, if they are able to provide an exact location and mm -hmm. also photos, uh, that is helpful for the homeless encampment task force. So homeless encampments... Uh, they have to follow a schedule. So during the homeless encampment removals, it just depends on when the removal is scheduled, and then they'll they'll be removed. Uh, that doesn't stop them from returning. No, but I mean they're right here where they're working right now. They're right here where they're removing. Uh, so you're saying there's a removal taking place at this time? Yeah, I'm I'm like sitting. Wa I'm watching it right now. I'm I'm watching it. And they're well, it's not currently on the homeless encampment cleanup schedule, so I'm not sure who is removing a homeless encampment. It's um, two streets and graffiti trucks, followed by a police. Some police officers are escorting them, and I'm not calling to argue that removing. I'm just trying to figure out why some people are being left to have their camps here, and why most people are not. So homeless encampments are normally cleaned up or uh, any procedure done with homeless encampments at Lakeside Park or any other location are normally according to the homeless encampment cleanup schedule. Um, if something is occurring that is not on schedule, um, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, everyone I ask, everyone, everyone I ask says the same thing um, when I call here. You say you don't know when I ask the streets the streets and graffiti team, they don't know where the orders came from. I asked the police officers, they don't know. And so that just seems like it's a convenient so answer. A written inquiry? I'm sorry? Uh, to us, and we can look further into it, just due to the sheer number of homeless encampments, mm -hmm. and the people have to be notified that they do have to move. It's, yeah, it, is, it does take on a different, um, a different uh, you know, aspect than just 
Is that is that written somewhere? Is that policy written out somewhere, or is that just kind of? Um, not that I'm aware. That's where that is going right now in the My name is Maurice Boyce. I'm from, originally from Minnesota, and I've been on and off the streets since I've been about 15, and I'm 62 now. The lake is the only place where you can go where you can get, for one thing, get away from people. It's a sanctuary. It's a sacred ground. And what behooves me is how these people where homeless say set up these tent cities, which is kind of new. Probably not new in the history of mankind because nothing's new under the sun. And then they leave a pile of mess. And now I just saw this thing about no overnight camping. Now I've been from one end of the Bay Area to another and the only place really where I can personally have peace is out here amongst this, this uh, micro, this micro, country, nature, whatever. So about three weeks ago when the cops were running back and forth and that was concerning here. But when I see the mess that these homeless people live, you leave, I can't really blame them. They say, okay, call 211 if you're homeless concerning housing or go to uh, St. Vincent de Paul, which is a pretty good shelter. But I'm getting sick of getting ripped off my blanket, my phone. Uh, oh my God. My next door neighbor is a master thief. He has a criminal history. The landlord gave him a key to my room for almost a year, nine months. Then she lied on a quit sheet, never been evicted before. And now I'm out here. I went to see the Moody Blues. I got to see the Moody Blues here in Oakland at the Paramount. About the first year and a half that I, first year that I got here. And there's only three of them left. Justin Hare and Mike, and Ray Thomas passed away. And they sung the song, Gypsy of a strange and distant time, traveling in panic all directions fine, aching for the warmth of the burning sun, freezing of the open welcome. Left without a hope of coming home. That's the situation. They actually sung my favorite song, Gypsy. So I had this, the pay stub in the art book. No, there's no way he could have known it was in there. He takes it out. He, two computers, he tampers with one, locks me out, takes the other one. Uh, his feet and my shoes, chewed meat in a tissue box about to blow my nose that he put in his, it was a bloody nightmare at the Harrison Hotel. You can't be on your guard all the time. 
So, you know, like, uh, I just had my sleeping bag stolen. When I woke up on that morning, 6 a.m., I was deadly tired. I noticed this pattern. I was discussing with this dude on 14 and Broadway. He, would talk, he was talking to me. We had a really engaging conversation. And he kept looking back like this because people, I don't see these patterns. Envy. Envy of your happiness. This is particularly in the black uh, Afro-American community. And, uh, but there's only one race, the human race. There is no black, white, red, or yellow. There's European-American, excuse me, forgive me, African-American, Mexican-American, Eskimo-American, etc. cetera. But um, there, there seems to be the spirit of envy, envy of your work ethics, envy of your happiness, envious of you because you have a life. And uh, um, people walking close to you, people purposely, excuse me, in, interrupting your walk path or blocking your way. I've noticed these certain quirky, like a downward spiral. And it's like a, this, the moral fiber in America has really diminished with the advance of technology. Now we have this technology. Well, what do you, what do you expect from our enemies when you lay the gates wide open for giving people power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Like that Star Trek episode. Um, you know, you know, where it's like, people walking into your house without knocking on your door. So now we have this technology where people can intrude on your privacy. Privacy is God. Now all my constitutional and God-given rights were deprived of me. Privacy, everything. Now at the end, I had a tarp. I put it over me so they couldn't see me and they went ape-ish. So I say, yeah, get the, the students stealing from me and they come back at, you wanna go to John George. John George are the people that put me in there. John George is the mental, nearest mental, facility here. They say that I'm schizophrenic, subject to auditory and visual hallucinations with making bipolar. Yeah, I'm bipolar. I'm happy when that freak is in on my back. You know, get your bloody stinking paws off of your damn dirty ape. I keep thinking of that. Lately, I've been so, I've been really kind of down the and calling it the plan of the apes. people of Afro-American heritage bringing down Afro-Americans other Afro-Americans down, keeping them down. Where I grew up, it wasn't like that. Now, when the integration started in the 60s, um, the kids of European heritage were no different than African kids. We were all into comic books. It was so much fun. The K's, judo. I was, I had a scholarship, scholarship on my teeth. Again, I did some redemptions. I had a scholarship to study classical music from junior high, ninth grade, and then we moved to Denver, and I, gone. And Denver was so different, I became a loner, and then I moved to the Bay Area. I, I, I used to love the Bay Area. When I first moved to Oakland, downtown Oakland was deserted. Earthquake, uh, Alice Arts, FEMA, if you're homeless, as a result of how, you get 1,600, six months later, they call me, some boys, we got 1,600 bucks. I move into Alice Arts, then they're gonna renovate, kick us out, I get $10,000 moved to uh, 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 Jackson and, and 14th near the library. Best place I ever lived in. The lake for me is the only home I have, but I'm not gonna be subject to the auspices of other people controlling my life. I call this the age of of stalkers, nosy trons, or interferons, that means like nosy people. Um, 
control freaks and tyrants. So now that they've cleared this out, uh, because a lot of the, the homeless that were here, they were kind of, you know, you can see by what they've left to remain that there's not good. So this is my place. I've been sleeping at that kitty land over there because it's got like a little mini house, you know, and I leave before the kids get there and I'm not subject to death, even though for a few days there, I was freezing my butt off, but I've gotten used to the weather. But I'd rather suffer the cold than to be in that shelter. Talking, you know, I can't, I, right now, I'm, I, just, I'm, I need some solitude. I had no solitude there for six years. That, guy, that freak was watching me all the time. I want a place like I had on Jackson where, where, um, excuse me, where, um, where, um, I don't have to hear my neighbor belching next door. Now the tough shit, the good, one thing about that is that you don't have nobody on the other side of the wall. So there's no way that they can hear you. You can have some privacy and I'm a quiet person. So the thing is, how is those communities run? It's like, it's like something out of, out of Fahrenheit 451, the German version, not the HBO version, the German, the German version. Today, after we have this interview, since it's stopped raining, I wish we can get some bloody. Can we get some sunlight? I'm gonna go to my storage place, drop this stuff off. Give me a pack of cigarettes. Probably go to the movie if there's a good sci-fi flick going on. I miss the Ken Reese replicas. God, he was great. Did you see Dunwick? Oh, you gotta see Dunwick. Now you may say, oh, this is just violent. No, no, this worldwide criminal organization based out of Italy. and. And uh, they just wouldn't leave him alone after his wife died. And, it's, and now the third's coming out. And that's the way I feel. All he wanted to do was, you know, his wife gave him a, a dog and they killed his dog and took his beautiful 64 Mustang, one of my favorite cars. And uh, they should have left him alone. But my plan is uh, a tent and a good dressing and a tent and a sleeping bag. I'm not gonna, now I just came out of John George and I manipulated my way in there to get some sleep. Otherwise, I would not be talking to you so coherently. Uh, coherently, is that the right word? So um, I said, well, w what can we do for you? I need a place to live. I need a place to help me somewhere, somewhere. This is the only place I can think of going, except maybe Golden Gate Park. I would love to see Tilden. I've never been there. It's big, right? Is there places where you can be alone, where there's not another soul for a thousand miles? <laughs> This, this California sushi saying, uh, misery loves company. I, I don't, uh, I, when I'm miserable, I want to be alone.
This has been Here is Where We Meet, a sonic celebration of Lake Merritt. Each week we feature field recordings and interviews conducted in and around the lake. You've just heard from a couple of Oakland residents living homeless around the lake, Casey Cummings and Maurice Boyce. You've also heard a variety of ducks and frogs active in the Lake Merritt Gardens area. And you've heard lots of rain as well, which has been a dominant feature in our weather lately, unfortunately. Please find the archive of this show, as well as all the other great programming on KGPC, on our website at kgpc969.org. Thank you for listening.